Welcome to Toy Division episode 9. This is another interview with an Australian writer. If you can please subscribe, share, give us a five-star review, check us out on Instagram, toydivision underscore podcast. Anyway, let's jump straight in. Enjoy. Right, how's it going, mate? How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, thanks for having me on. That's all right, no worries. Um, How's um, COVID-19 treating where you are at the moment uh i'm really enjoying it actually i like i know there's a lot of shit happening in the world and i don't say think any of that's good but uh as far as my personal experience i'm i'm really liking it you know um i'm in australia and the uh government's come through with the goods with supporting me and uh i'm just like hanging out and doing my thing and getting lots of uh creative time in yeah i've talked to a couple of people who do creative stuff not on podcasts or anything and then like i was doing this before basically and now it, I, I just can't pop down the pub as often which is probably normally a yeah. good thing yeah i think a lot of people are saving a lot of money from uh not um going to the pub yeah everyone's gonna be like gee i've i've never never been so wealthy in my life <laughs> yeah the only times i've ever yeah. had that is when i've consciously not drank and then i was like oh I've suddenly got loads more money. That's strange. Oh, it's because I'm not pouring it down the drain or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, did you have an opportunity to look at the questions that I sent through to you? I did. Yeah. And I've listened to a few episodes as well. So I'm familiar with uh, with what you do. (laughs) Okay. So let's get stuck in. So can you remember how you got your first ever can of spray paint? I was trying to think of this. I, I can't. I, I can't remember how I got my first ever can. Mm-hmm. I can remember like my, you know, around like getting certain things that happened around getting early cans of paint, but not my first ever. Because I, I when I was, I was in a fortunate position is before I started writing, I was um, really into writing, and uh, and I, I hung out with a lot of writers as well. So, like, I was. I've been out on a lot of missions and, you know, sat on track sides and just drank beers while friends have been painting and all that type of stuff. So I guess my first can of paint would have been handed to me by a friend that, um, you know, I used to help people fill in and I don't know, I'd go out and take lots of photos, but it wasn't, um, yeah, but I know I started, it was only, so I think uh, probably about my third piece, I'd started racking paint and, um, and that was it. Like I didn't, didn't rack for long, but it was like, I don't know. I ra- <laughs> me and my friends racked a lot of paint right at the start and then went out and, uh, you know, had early graffiti adventures with that. But, uh, but as far as my first ever can, I can't remember it. I've been racking my brain. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to be introduced. That's probably the most effective way. Someone, you, someone kind of shows you the ropes rather mm. than just kind of plunging straight into, oh, I need to go and get this paint. Yeah, but I guess it was it was it was tough for me because the guys I, was, I started out with they we'd all known each other for a long time and I was the skater I wasn't I, like and we all skated together and a few of them did did graph as well so they they went out riding and um, so from where I started they were a bit like what you're you're a rider now you know like because they knew me so well so I copped a lot of shit for that and it wasn't um, it wasn't very motivating you know. 
because you're around all these people who've been doing it for years and they're really good and you're the shit one you know so yeah so it was like but I, i'm you know it's, i'm just saying it's two sides of the coin because um in a way it was like uh hard work being the shit one but then i i understand i was very fortunate to have people show me the ropes as well it does seem to be a recurring theme with skating and graffiti going hand in hand yeah it's just street culture though isn't it as a kid like yeah. it's it's the it's a thing that you do when it's not when you don't want to play team sports and, or, or any ball sports you know yeah get bullied out of sports as a kid or just think this is a load of shit and the majority of the players are complete fucking wankers at high school and then you think oh i might do something else so yeah, yeah. that's uh that's a generalization come on well, yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I, know, I know some true know yeah there's some nice sportsmen out there surely maybe i just got bullied <laughs> maybe i just got bullied really badly by the soccer team at school and now i've got like a real like built-in um implicit memory of like sports teams being bastards because i used to play soccer yeah. a lot i was actually very I was actually pretty good at being a goalkeeper, but I was short and fat with glasses. So I used to be like teased and beaten up and just treated like shit by the sports teams at school. So that's probably yeah. my own trauma bubbling up in a podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, hopefully during this, the course of this interview, we'll find some healing for you, mate. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll get through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Sorry, it's been a smart ass. <laughs> a bit of... um not catatonic, um, cathartic <laughs> talk. Okay, so in terms of then brands of what paint that, so it sounds like, you know, handing someone handing you a can of paint was mm-hmm. something where, you know, can you remember the brands? Yeah, there was, um, I started in 96 and it was when the, the Euro paint was just hitting, starting to hit Australia. Um, so I think we had like the the uh, the rail, the Belton rails, and also Spanish Montana. Ooh, um, lovely. Yeah, and that, and but I they were really expensive. That was like you know we could go out and buy um or or rack. You could go to a hardware store and rack um, um Dulux paint. Yeah. They did spray paint. They used to use like um, Galaxy Blue and Sky Blue and black. They did a lot of pieces and white. A lot of pieces with those colors because um just because they're readily accessible and also this brand called kill rust was pretty good that was what everyone used for their outlines because it covered over everything pretty well and um kill, kill ross kill rust oh kill rust okay yeah okay yeah yeah i, I, I like that was big in australia i don't know if it was an international brand or not but, um but yeah that was really popular and um everyone used to buy those uh and then also Tuxens were a, a popular brand and also touch-ups that, um, yeah, touch-ups were hard to find by the time I started. Touch-ups were really good. They had like a push forward nozzle. So it was real sensitive. You could do like a half spray really easily and you can get really skinny lines with it. So that like, I don't know, it'd be good. Even now nowadays, it'd be good to see a paint brand replicate that, um, that system because I don't know, even back in those early days, it was, really good really good for fine detail work and outlines when everything else was just like hard to control you know i do find it interesting how i think that's something that's definitely been not necessarily lost but you know knowing the specific colors of which brands aren't just like 
piss basically you know mm. yeah <laughs> you know, i was talking to someone from the uk and i said car plan as a joke about doing a piece and he said oh yeah so we'll make sure we stick to the silvers but not the yellows because net yellows are never great really well some brands are but mm. tux, so tuxen is something which has popped up i've never seen one of those before but... yeah they did they were, they were, um shoe paint like leather paint so it's like you buy, you go to the place where you go get your, the, you go to the cobbler, yep. and um, where you get your keys cut and all that sort of stuff, and, the, and fix your shoes. And then uh, here's a guy that you go to get the um, tuxen off. But they, they did they did this like really nice turquoise color, and um, and I don't know, I think they did it like yeah, I just remember the turquoise. And they perfumed it really well, like the that like when the sort of paint you spray, and everyone's like, oh, that smells nice. You know, so um, yeah, I, I was interested. Yeah, I, I, I haven't used my name for a very long time. It's funny thinking back on it. Well, there's there was a type of ink that in the UK everyone would bang on about, and it was called Feebings. And it was like you'd have to go to a similar place. You'd have to go to a cobbler's, and you could get like I think there was a purple, there was a red, and it was and it would really stain. And it was all about being able to go to the cobbler's and convince them that if you were racking it, you weren't racking it, or that why the hell is a 14 or 15 year old kid buying red shoe dye? People used to get those Artline Genies. I don't know if you remember them. They were like genie shaped bottle. And they um, and then they would mix like Raven oil and stuff like that in with them. Uh, it was like, I just remember, I don't know. I just remember all the writers at high school they always like had markers dacked and like stains all in their on their their jeans and stuff like that, just from it leaking in their pockets all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how you'd spot the writers. You know, you look, you'd see, you'd see um, if you if you look around someone's pockets, you see ink stains. You know they're a writer, and if you look at their shoes and see like ollie marks, you know they're a skater. And once yes, I saw either of those signs, I knew it was some you know someone in my world. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually had a few people mention with these episodes I've recorded, they're like, oh, I found the talking about the paint, paint brands either so dull that it's unbelievable or like, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Thanks for jogging my memory. So can't please everyone. Yeah. yeah. Another paint that I remember using a lot when I first started was um, you go to a shop called Lincraft, which is like a um, fabric shop where you go buy all the like, um, you know, long lengths of fabric and, I don't know, zips and shit like that, sewing machines. But they also had um, sold this paint. You can still get it. It's in like a skinny black can and it's, um, they do um, silver and gold, but the gold's like six carat gold or something like that. <laughs> and the, yeah, it's like, but we, we used to rack shitloads of them from Lincraft. The highest grade paint, it's actually six carat gold. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I remember I did a top to bottom with it. <laughs> and um and me and my friends are all like wrapped because we did like a, we did a whole car all in um six carat gold <laughs> took a lot of cans though because they're so skinny you know yes but we got we got like bags and bags full of them i did see a flick recently of someone having done a whole car i think it was a scrap but with exports oh fuck <laughs> oh they're a nightmare that's like, like probably wiped, wiped a few years off his life. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, exports. Even I was, I've, I have used it recently. You might, if 
you know, in another episode, I talked about for a bit of fun using some export at one point and I was wearing a respirator and I was still thinking, oh, this is not treating my brain and nervous system very well at all. Nah, I've used a lot of that stuff over the years. Hmm. I used to, um, I know, I used to go out uh, drinking a lot with my mates and, um, you know, you could sort of, you could see a night was going to start taking off and um, we can make it to the $2 shop by eight o'clock and just get a bag of exports and I don't know, just, just be around drinking beers all night and end up going bombing. But, you know, exports was always like a, uh, always rush to the export shop before uh, before it closes, you know. <laughs> it would have and been, always end up using them all too. Yeah, it would have been an interesting thing to be in those stores and notice that um, kind of pattern. So there wasn't one specific experience, but you know, what time of day and place did you do your first ever piece? Um, it was a trackside and it was at nighttime after the last train. So it would have been in the middle of the night. I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe one o'clock or something like that. And I painted with, there was a whole lineup of us. There was like probably six or seven of us. And, um, and yeah, we did like a, a full production but I'd never done a piece before. So it was pretty, uh, I don't know, it was just weird. I remember going to asking my friend to mark up for me. So a friend marked up my first, but it was so dark, I, I couldn't see it properly. I was just trying to improvise and stuff like that. I, squ- I sprayed the paint in my face by mistake. So I had the, the nozzle on the wrong way. I don't know, it was just, it was just a bit of a, like everyone was just rocking burners and I was just there. You know, like it wasn't like a daytime thing where I could turn to someone and go, oh, can you help me out here? It was like night and I was just winging it and it came out, I guess as far as the first piece goes, it, it held up, it was all right, but it was trackside and it lasted like about five or six years. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, it just, it definitely was the shittest piece on the wall, put it that way. And I'm so glad my friend marked up a first for me, otherwise I would have really struggled. Yeah, my, yeah, my piece was definitely not something that I would want anyone to ever see, yeah. ever again ever yeah. although i have shown people I remember, joke yeah i remember having um good colors though because my friends chose my colors for me and they said all right this is your fill this is your outline this is your background and it's like all right cool so Thanks. i think i did like sun, sunset style fade through the middle like orange yellow white then with a black outline and then i can't remember what the background was like pink or some shit like that and that's so different from you know i look back to I just had no idea. I didn't, I think a friend and I, we would we were doing the outline and trying to do shadows and then putting the fill in afterwards because we were just so yeah. clueless and we just had no idea. And it was, I look back now and I just think just that complete innocence of just having no idea because it was just. Yeah, but I guess it makes sense. Like, I, like it makes sense to think like that. That's how like tattoos tattoo i'm pretty sure i don't know i don't have any tattoos but you know they they do it like that don't they and like yeah i I know i I think to put your outline up first and start filling in is a pretty logical way to do your first piece if you haven't had someone show you how to do it yeah yeah maybe 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 we'd i don't know it's tough to remember you know it's such it's quite a long time ago now but for us it was all about going up to the big city of london skating and it was kind of that's how we first kind of saw it and then in our little tiny town there was suddenly a scene of you know 
10, 12, 13 little writers in this tiny little town that had virtually had no graffiti ever. And it was, <laughs> it was an interesting oh. um, contrast, as you can imagine. Suddenly there was tags and then it moved to like throw ups and then actual proper pieces and all the track sides got smashed. And I just don't think they even knew what it was really. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, <laughs> until you then end up getting nicked and then you just yeah. completely screwed and they just chuck the book at you. But anyway, that's another yeah. that's another interview. Um, yeah, so, end up on the front page of the local newspaper. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think I've still got it somewhere <laughs> cut out, I think. I think, yeah. And they got the details. I yeah, I got a few of them early, uh, early in my uh, my life. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. it's a way of you know teaching you to keep your house clean as a whistle. Yeah, in many ways, although I probably didn't learn. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> in terms of then, so it sounds like you were actually hanging out with other people that were painting. So was it kind of? You just your mates were painting and then it was just something that you tried or was it that you actually started to notice say a symbol or oh, a tag no, I was, repetitively oh i was a ma- massive fan of, of of graffiti before i started like what like the way the way i got into it was my um my parents split up when i was really young and my dad lived um like about i don't know it's like way like on the other side of the city and then deep into the suburbs so it'd be a really long train ride, ride uh, to get to dad's house. And we'd, um, my brother and I would just look out the window at all the, the graph. And also the trains were pretty hammered by then. I remember dad always saying, stop touching the tags. You'll get ink all over your hands. Cause it was people were using like pens that didn't dry for days and things like that. And um, yeah, I just, re- I just remember um, like, just looking out the window and just just knowing where we were by like we could even say oh this piece is coming up and that piece is coming up and we'd know what was in between each stop and be like you know what would we wouldn't sit on the train we'd stand where the doors are and go from side to side depending on where we're at down the line and just check out all our favorite spots so it was quite funny like but we had no intentions on doing it we weren't like oh i'm gonna get some paint and start doing graffiti like we do we it was just entertainment for us on the train and um but from uh, from there, it was like years and years later. Like I went to high school with lots of uh, writers. Well, actually, the whole time in, in between, even um, you know, because that was like when we were catching a train and looking at the graph. I was in my primary school. I was probably like ten years old. And I didn't do my first piece till I was like seventeen. But that whole time, I had tags and I was I was I did insides all the time. Like I loved it, and. Uh, yeah, but it's still there. I never considered myself a writer and I never, um, never, like I did outlines on paper as well, but I never thought I'd ever do a piece or anything like that. So, um, sorry, I'm very. First word or kind of tag or symbol oh, that you remember sorry, thinking yeah. that was over yeah. and over and over. No, and over. no, no. It was, yeah, I know exactly who that was. That was Hugh Dunnett. Um, he was a, a writer from the 80s in, in Melbourne and he, uh, he, I guess he was like, a bit of a street artist as well as a writer like he did lots of done it pieces everywhere mm. and uh and big hue pieces but he always did characters next to him he would do like iconic characters such as like um i know he did one with uh, uh with pinocchio and another one um you know with uh winnie the pooh and just things like that like things that were recognizable and um 
and but yeah, I remember he was just, he was our favorite. We just thought he was he was awesome, you know. And um and also he had tags everywhere and he had his tags were really cool. He still does the same style of tag. It's sort of like they start um they start big and go small, if you know what I mean, like each yeah. word. And uh yeah, I don't know, he was def- he did this one piece as well that was on a um on like a power, a signal box or a power box on the track side. And he just did a big eye with a teardrop coming out of it. And that was like real fresh. It was like real car- cartoon, like comic style, but it just took up the whole box. And that was one thing that like really stood out to me. That was the first bit of graph that I remember going, man, that, that's, that's fresh. I have heard a good interview with him actually. And um, yeah, it's, um, I think the thing that really stood out to me was that he was saying that his, um, a lot, a lot, he doesn't have a lot of his photos. And I was like, I want to almost start like a, it's not a really a GoFundMe, but like a campaign, get Hugh Dunnett's flicks back. Cause it sounds like he had some absolutely epic pieces that were real kind of inspirational stuff, not just for people that were writing. Cause I guess people are, oh, it's not really, that's not the old style or whatever. But you know, you're talking about being a child and seeing that and how inspirational yeah. that must have been to so many people for various reasons. Yeah. Yeah, he started an uh, Instagram page. Oh, you can look him up, and lots of people have sent them in. And he, um, yeah, call for submission sort of thing. If you've got any of his flicks, send them in, and uh, a lot of people have uh, been sending flicks in for him. I think he was talking about a one-man whole car, and that he's never got flicks of it. And I was like, oh, I know, I know that pain. Not that I've ever done anything <laughs> to the level of Hugh done it, but you know, when you just like, if I just had the flick, then maybe I could prove it really happened. But- the embarrassing stories are what makes me most interested because people often like to think, oh, you know, they don't want to reveal the embarrassing story um, because they don't want to, you know, give a hint that they're not this kind of tough guy, know it all, everything's perfect. But I openly discuss that I'm oh, not. <laughs> mate, that's part of being human, isn't it? When no one's perfect. Well, you no think one's so. really that tough anyway. And, and again, the toughest lot- guys I know. Uh, quite often pussies when it comes to uh, being able to manage their emotions. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, through my work, I work with a lot of people that have emotional challenges. I'll just put it like that. And um, yeah, it's 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 not as simple, you know, often the people that are the most explosive are actually the people that are the most vulnerable. But anyway, that's a whole other, that's a whole other 10 hour podcast subject. So, have you got any interesting well not not just interesting have you got any embarrassing stories because that's oh i've got plenty of them (laughs) (laughs) let loose if you can if you're like me you're thinking which which one do i talk about first but yeah go for it yeah i've been around for a while i've got a few embarrassing stories um uh well i know one one that comes to mind when you sent through these questions the, the one that automatically sprung to mind was when i first started started painting and um and yeah, you know, as I said, everyone I knew all these writers who had been writing painting for a long time, and they were all a lot better than me, and and all that sort of stuff. Like they, you know, they were all like in established crews and like with some of the like they were really up in the city and all that sort of stuff. So um, they uh, they didn't even know I was doing pieces. I had probably only about four pieces under my belt, and um, and I lived on the other side of the city from these guys, so they didn't even know I was writing. But they, um, I remember they walked. They had a wall 
and they had pieces along the bottom, but there was space at the top. And I was looking for somewhere to do a piece to practice. And my friend goes, oh, I know a spot, you can paint above these guys. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So I got a ladder and went up. And you know, you know, it's like really fucking hard to paint on a ladder. I don't care like how many oh, years you've been oh, riding. If you've just yeah. got a ladder and you're right up, you're, you're up you know, the top runs and your chin's pretty much on the wall and you can't reach very far and you're trying to do a piece. Now I hadn't had much piecing experience, so I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was, I was just trying to fucking punch out a piece. And I did this real complex fill and it took me ages. And I remember they, they walked around the corner and they go, they didn't see me at first. They saw the piece and go, what the fuck is this toy shit? <laughs> and, I just, and I was sitting there and I was just like, oh fuck. And then they turned, they go, did you do and, and I was like, yeah, that, that was me, you know? And they started laughing at me. And it was just one of those, like, they were, they were sort of clowning me, going, man, don't, if that's what you bring into the table, don't fucking bother, you know? Ouch. But they, you know, we all knew each other. We were in the same class at school and everything. It was like, but, um, I just remember feeling a bit like, fuck. It was just embarrassing, you know? Like, especially when you're trying to get started. <laughs> that was the first one that, that sprung to mind for me anyway. But, um, so I, I actually was, I painted with a bunch of people and this was, I think it was Christmas just gone. So our mate had a really good wall, um, like really big. I think it was about seven or eight of us painting and we could do like, and I thought, right, it was an outer space theme. And I'm like, I'm going to do a flipping UFO. I realized so many people have done this, a UFO with like a tractor beam pulling up a piece, but the piece is like dissolving into bits, kind of probably inspired by the event. And then we turned up and there was, everyone else's spot was like flat and like really good. Everyone else has scaffolding, but there was to the left of the wall, there was like a slope and then someone painted standing on the slope and he, and then I was on a ladder, but having to deal with the slope as well. And yeah. I, I didn't complain. I didn't moan. But my goodness, that was a nightmare. And you know what? I looked at the flick of it the other day and I was like, what a pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but at least, yeah. my, um, at least they didn't say, oh, what is that shite? They were quite yeah. kind. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm just cringing just thinking about it now. But anyway, it was just one of those things. Yeah. Painting up a ladder, I always say every time I paint up a ladder, I'll walk away from the piece going, I'm never painting up a ladder again. And then I'll find myself up a ladder again going, oh, fuck, I said I'd never do this, you know. Well, those extended, here I am. what are they called? Um, telescopic uh, ladders. Yeah. They're, they're pretty tempting. Uh, yeah, I haven't been up one of them before. They look like a sort of thing that will just fold up on you. This <laughs> well, is what my mate out. said. He was like, oh yeah, I've got one, but what about if one of them goes? I'm like, uh that's a bit scary and then he said yeah but oh if one li one bit goes that it would be a safety thing they can't well you would think you know i guess there's different brands but i'm sure they'd make it where it wouldn't just collapse but yeah in the, in I the wouldn't heat, know. I don't yeah know. <laughs> yeah let's not try and find out oh yeah we'll just just try it out i know i've broken both yeah. legs and shattered both hips okay that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> worth a trial so that was a ladder yeah. experience so that sounds like a bit of a not like an awful experience, but that that feeling where you're just that feeling of like, oh, I've really been trying. Oh, it made me want a quick breath and I was just getting started. But I also got busted real early and that was, fuck, that was just like a um, horrible experience as well. Just the feeling of it, you know, knowing you're Nick, getting, getting raided. 
like all that sort of shit. That, that, I don't know. That's embarrassing as well. It's embarrassing being part of your peer group and, um, you know, getting raided. And everyone's like, they, no one wants to go near you and shit like that. Everyone's worried, you know. It's like, you know, it's like in Graph. It's like getting raided, you end up being like a leper, you know. Oh, yeah, the opposite. No one wants to associate, associate themselves with you. Because the you? scene I was in was so small. It was like, wow. Oh, it's cool. I was fucking hating it. It was a bloody nightmare. Didn't didn't really teach me not to do it again, I have to say. So, you know, I think that's that's another thing a couple of people have mentioned on here is that they get nicked and it's like, that's not really. But I suppose if they had just given up, which many people do, because many people are like, ah, oh, this isn't for me, then they wouldn't be talking about it 20 years later, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got, oh, man, fuck, I got so much. Like, even before I got, um, even before I started doing graffiti, I got raided for graph. <laughs> it was fucking oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I was, because I of your, on me. Oh, because yeah. of your friends or just because you had nah. markers? No, nah, I, I, I skipped school and was with my friend and we went, um, we caught the train and we was going to go skating and, um, and we we're on our way to a skate park on the train and the, um, the cops came on and we were the only ones in the carriage, you know, undercover. And we were thinking about, we were, we were sort of scoping the, the, the carriage to bomb it, but we didn't do anything. And the cops like um, came up and asked us for our tickets. And um, I think my friend didn't have a ticket. And they went through our bags and then found markers. Markers, And then, um, yeah, when they, uh, they found the markers, they just started going through all our shit. And my friend had weed on him as well. We're only like 13. <laughs> <laughs> real young he ended, they ended up raiding my friend's house and then raiding my house and it was like um, just going through our shit but it was I don't know it was pretty uh, it was pretty aggressive they held us in the uh, police station for ages like really roughed us up like I um, one of them uh, had me on the train platform and he had um, first he had me threw me up against the wall and was strangling me this is like a 13 year old kid to, to a fully grown man he was strangling me, and then there was a train coming into the platform. He held me over the tracks, oh, like with my with my tippy toes, just on the um, edge of the platform. And he had me leaning out there, going, "Fucking, you know, tell me, like, you know, tell me that you've been tagging the train and all this sort of shit." And it's like, I my, haven't, man. I haven't. My <laughs> God. Like, yeah. Sounds yeah. like the bloody Gestapo. Oh man, that was like I I had a deep hatred for police for fucking years. Because how's this, right? That, that was when I was 13. When I was like Christ. 16, man, I got I was sitting on a, um, on a roof of um, our old school where with uh, my friend and my brother, and we were sitting up there, and they had a beer each. And I, I didn't drink. I, I, I um, had a box of barbecue shapes. And um, we're, just, we're just bored kids, and it was a really nice night, and you get a good view of the whole city and everything. The cops showed up, guns drawn and everything, telling us to get off the roof. It's like, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, we're just trespassing, you know. And um, they handcuffed me and fucking kicked me down a, um, a fire escape. What? Split my head open and fucking, yeah. And this is like... Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I had to go to court over it. The cops came around to my house again over that shit. And um, yeah, that was pretty fucked. So I, I don't know, I had, I, grew, I had like a whole bunch of things like that happen to me. That's and they, um, yeah, they had me standing there. How's this? They had me standing there handcuffed and they asked me a question and I, um, they said, oh, uh, were you trying to break in to steal the computers? And I said, no. And then one of the cops took a running fly kick right in my chest. Fucking sent me flying. 
I'm I am just astonished. I, yeah. I, I and, and this is the thing is that imagine <laughs> I I just keep th- you know I mean times have changed. But I was talking to someone about this the other day, like hitting a child. Like my friend was telling yeah. me how I think his his mum misheard him say something to his sister, try like something like oh, "Don't wake mum and dad up, or I might hit you." His mum came out of nowhere with like. You know the thing that when you're trying to um, say you've got some blinds and you like twist it to the side to like close them or open oh, them, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like a plastic one. Yeah. She appeared with one of those and hit him with it until he was coming out with welts. And I was like, and, I, and then we were all talking about our own individual stories with being beaten by our parents. And I'm like, and then I mentioned, you know, a relative's young daughter. And I said, imagine hitting blah, blah, blah's name with that. Till she screamed and the, and I was like that how times have changed and um, the reason I'm mentioning that is a 13 a young kid and holding them basically in the oncoming path of a train about yeah. suspecting that they might have written on something holy yeah. Christ <laughs> yeah it was pretty harsh they um yeah I know I had several experiences like that I've had like a man I've got, I've got a bunch of stories like that I've been, uh, it's funny, I'm surprised anyone had ever painted with me. I've been busted so many times. Not always for graph though. As far as doing graffiti, I've only been busted sit, like properly like once. Yeah. But with, um, just with, I've been caught in the act a bunch of times while traveling and then they've just been like, give me a fine or just told me to fuck off, you know, or they've given me a beating. I've had a few beatings. <laughs> oh, the joys, yeah. the joys. Well, yeah. I, I know it wasn't me that dished out all those bloody beatings from the cops, but I apologise no. from the rest of humanity for that fucking man. Bullshit. I was uh, to tell to tell you what, like I'm a I'm a fucking like you know I'm a middle aged man now, mm. and I've had to um I've I've had to sort of go through trauma release about this shit, and I didn't realise why I had such a deep hatred for the cops. Like I'd always see them. My wife would always pull me up. Cause I'd be like, fuck, like I'd see him and just be like, fucking cunts, like fucking dogs, you know what I mean? And she's like, calm down, bloody hell, what's got into you? And it's like, oh no, I just don't like him. <laughs> and she'd be like, what have they ever done to you? And and I've realised that like um, at a young age, they really traumatised me, and I just um, had a deep hatred for them. But now I've uh, I've forgiven them all, and uh, I get on with my life. <laughs> but, but geez, it was like. Um, yeah, it was weird. Like psychological shit, they damaged me as a kid. You know what I mean? And I was, I was always like a pretty good kid. Like I was never a, um, even as a writer, I was never the type of guy to go and tag your front, the front of your house. You know, mm. like I was very um, cautious of, of like I would paint track sides. I didn't do that many trains in my life because I got busted for them really easily, really early. But I, um, you know, I was always like trying to bomb things where people wouldn't like look at it and go that fucking asshole <laughs> but until still managing to get up you know until you didn't get flying kicked by a cop trauma is prevalent across society so again without revealing about too much about what i do for work i focus specifically on helping people not just it's not like a cure but address and deal with their trauma because it's pervasive it's everywhere people think trauma is like an accident or being like seriously Mm. abused but those experiences that you've mentioned i would actually consider those incredibly traumatic and then to just be told get on with it what's your problem with the police and then you try and explain to people i have friends they're like why do you hate the police so much 
And then I'm mm. like, this and this and this, and they're like, oh, so why does that still bother you now? And then I explain to them that that stuff's often not in the conscious mind. It's like implicit memory inside your body. And you you go into like a stress response. You see them. I often yeah. will see a police car and my stomach, I'm not doing anything wrong. My stomach just drops. And it's yeah. like instant fight or flight. Yeah, you feel guilt. You feel like you've done something wrong. And yeah. Yeah. It was real weird. I was in, um, I went to, uh, to Brazil and I was, um, I was at carnival there and like oh there was just there was heaps of police but i like military style police yeah and i thought oh this is um you know i saw them walking through the crowd and i, I you know it was before i had uh, addressed my issues with the police and um i saw them in the, my peripherals and thought fuck those assholes i'm not moving out the way and everyone would just jump they walk in a single file and just plow through the crowd and sorry, everyone um, sorry about was, the dogs barking in the nah, background that's all good that's all good <laughs> And everyone was um, clearing out the way. And I just thought, saw him in my peripherals and thought, fuck these assholes, I'm not moving to them. And the first one, the first uh, person in line just threw me out the way. And the second one was a female cop and she pulled out a bat and just started clubbing me over the head. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, fuck. I was, and after that, I got out there way all the time. And I just realized that they're just trying to, um, they're around a lot of people and uh, a lot of tough guys and they're uh, letting them know who's boss. And I, I sort of get it, you know, but... Um, well, a lot of them yeah. have experienced their own trauma themselves. And that that's... I know that doesn't make that okay, doing things like that to people. But I ended up sitting mm. on a regional express plane and I was sitting next to a psychologist and she was looking what I was doing. She's like, oh, are you a clinician? And I said, yeah, I am actually, yeah. And she's like, oh, what do you do anyway? We talked about it. Turned out she goes and does psychology services for police in rural Australia because the amount yeah. of mental health issues in the police departments in cities and in rural areas is just insane and they get no yeah. psychological support yeah i imagine that doesn't make it okay when you then get flying kicked down a bloody fire escape <laughs> or yeah. I, I, i'm just envisaging yeah. in my mind that cop holding you like on that platform yeah, yeah it's pretty harsh I'm, i don't but, um, swear that much yeah. but well i do what a cunt yeah yeah it's funny i was talking because my brother was there and i was talking to him at um a barbecue like only about a year ago and he was bringing up all these things that happened in that yeah. situation that i blocked out of my, my memory <laughs> it's like yeah and it was, I was it was weird i had um dinner with my mum and um this is when it all came to the surface when i needed to address it because my mum was um talking about that situation yeah. and i said oh do you know what happened and i told her that the cops because she was like pissed that i got busted she was like, you fucking, you're going to go to court and I'm, I'm not getting, you, you're not having legal aid. You got to get a job and pay for a lawyer and all this sort of shit, like threw the book at me. And then my stepdad was like lecturing the shit out of me going, you can't believe you've done this. And, you know, as a kid, you just don't want to hear it, you know? And, um, and I told them like, this is just like a few years ago. I told them what actually happened that night. And they go, why didn't you tell us? And I said, I tried telling you, but mom, you fucking cracked the shits and made me get a lawyer. And my stepdad uh, said, you were just lecturing the shit out of me. And I just didn't want to hear it. And they go, oh, I can't believe you can't turn to us. And then um, they go, oh, we would, and then they said, oh, we don't believe you because we would have supported you through this. And then I, I remember just getting fucking furious with them and going, don't you call me a liar about getting bashed by the cops. And that's when I real, and then I started getting real furious like I would at the police. That's when I realized I had an issue with it. I was like, man, those guys are scarred me. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, my wife uh my wife uh got me some help. I had to go talk to someone about it and clear it out of my system. Wow. Well thanks. Yeah. For, I can't believe for... I'm telling you all this shit. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's the fucking reality of it. That's what and happened. The, and the reason know. why I wasn't responding is I was trying to mute yeah. out the bloody dogs in the background, but I was listening. Nah, it's all good, man. All and there's good. so and there's so many people where they've had these experiences and then it's like they have it where they go to work or they're in their relationships or they have, you know, emotional problems or whatever. I'm not saying this is what that was mm. what was happening to you, but that early trauma at any point, you know, you're saying that you couldn't remember it. You couldn't remember the points. Yeah. That's basically going where you disassociate. You've basically just, you were so scared. That you've basically just, you wouldn't remember it. Yeah. It's, it's that horrible anyway let's move away because yeah. i feel like i've made you disclose tons of information but nah, thanks so I much hey, yeah you know i don't care like i don't care what people think about all this sort of stuff it's just it's what oh. happened and that's that you know, amen, I'm, I'm pretty i'm that. an open book yeah amen to that i mean yeah. i think people that know me you know i'm a i've definitely had mental health issues i have it's up and down i've had drug and alcohol mm. problems you know and the only way that we can help other people is to make people realize that it's not something to be ashamed of it's not something yeah. to feel that you need to hide away and it's not something that other people can just tell you oh just get over it stop being stupid because yeah the only way we're going to get through any of this stuff especially you know covid anything is to like treat mm. each other like human beings not throw it kick a bloody kid down a fire escape or hold it i just jesus i just Wow, I'm, yeah. I'm just astonished. Yeah. Anyway, I better get back to the questions because bloody hell. That's okay. all good. Wow. That's all good. I'm running you over time, eh? No, no, no. It's these with bloody dogs. It's, it's the bloody police. Session. It's the bloody police dogs <laughs> in the background just going nuts. They're like, fuck the police, <laughs> ACAB, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's funny. Funny you say that, the ACAB thing. Uh, you know that that whole movement sort of kicked off, and um, I was, you know, I've seen that written all over the place. And then when I knew it stood for and all that, and I thought I actually had a chance to sort of process all this shit and move through it. And then it's like all cops are bastards. And it's like no, I'm sure there's some more right guys amongst them. It's not like you know some of them are bastards. It's just funny. Like um, I'd sort of process that shit by then. I had people in my family with the police. So I grew up yeah. thinking the police were like, you know, very reliable, honest. And then as soon as I then started having experiences or interactions with the police, as in being a young kid, teenager, I was like, these people are not honest. They're not, yeah. they're not looking, they're just bastards basically. Oh yeah. Especially if they if they get you in a uh, in the police station as well, wow, that's like I don't know. There can be real pricks in. Yeah. You know, yeah. Anyway, last, last time I interacted with them, I got stretched, which was delightful. <laughs> so um, yeah. But I quickly learned. Yeah. I just basically just super friendly and super yes sir no sir three bags full sir yes, officer respectful not even say a word because i made the mistake of saying something else and i just got a backhand off a copper never never told yeah. my parents about it because my dad would have just been you know 
what are you doing? Why are you interacting with the police? Why why are you out writing on things again? So anyway, mm. anyway, cathartic. Let's get back to these questions, but this is... um Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, anyway, they're the toy years behind me. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, no, what, keep, on. what keeps you interested in doing graffiti or painting or art or, you know, what keeps you interested? I, I love it. Like, I... I I do art um, all the time now, and uh, but I still do graffiti as well. And I see them as two def- different th- two things, two sort of uh, similar but different things. You know, it's like it's like cricket, and football. You know what I mean? They're sort of they're both sports, but they're different. And I see that like art and graffiti being like that as well. But I um I don't know I've got I've got like a bit of a different. Um, routine i've got a few, few friends who are still really active riders and I, I go out with them and um we just go out for a sunday bike ride and take paint with us and find spots and that's uh that's the way i like to do it get a bit of exercise and uh spend time with your mates but uh, also like you're adventuring looking for spots um i find that much more interesting than going standing at a wall all day i just I don't know I've, that's never been my style of painting i prefer to get you know five or ten quick pieces done than um than one all day it's just uh just the way i paint but um being on a bike i because i know the city in which you live in and um it's just ace just being on a bike it's flat you get around really easy just you know where i'm living i'm living in sydney and it's not so flat it's not got great cycle paths but i was talking to a pal and he was talking about, you know, the UK is in much more harsh lockdown at the moment. And at the moment, he's mm-hmm. just jumping on a bike and going for exactly the same thing. Cycle somewhere, find somewhere to paint. It's a good yeah. excuse because they're like, what are you doing? It's like doing exercise. And they've actually had it recent. They had it where he sent me a flick. The police turned up. They looked at what they were doing. They're like, what are you doing? And he just went, just doing exercise and doing smart. And they went, all right, just drove off. Yeah. Yeah, we um we'd catch the uh the train to the end of the train line. We'd we, you know just pick, pick a train line, catch a train to the end, and then there's usually bike paths and stuff that lead you back into the city and roads and that. I don't know, you just go off on an adventure. You always find somewhere to paint. It's the same like I've um been fortunate enough to do a lot of travelling in my life and um and painted on my own a lot in a lot of random countries and um I I, I just like the searching out a spot part as part of the mission, you know, and I've never. I've never gone out um, to search for a spot to paint and not paint it. I've always found something to do, even if it's just some hollows or something like that. Like the cans always end up coming out. It's good. What advice can you give to new or inexperienced graffiti writers? Uh, sketch, sketch as much as possible. Um, yeah, just keep sketching. It's funny, actually. I'll read you something. It's from. Um, I was fortunate enough to have someone sort of mentor me in graph and uh, and I found I was looking through some old sketchbooks and um, and I found it I'm just finding it here and it's um and it's my and he wrote it's uh, I won't say his name but so and so's uh, ten commandments of graffiti and I'll read them out now it's pretty funny but it's it's very like I think these were written in probably ninety five or six number one be original number two. Don't do the same outline twice. Number three, develop style. Number four, don't bite. Number five, ignore style trends. Number six, don't believe the hype. 
Number seven, uh, create goals. Number eight, um, quality, not quantity. Number nine, develop variable lettering styles. And um, number 10, he just wrote that he is the king. But, uh, but yeah, but I, I, I found them just while I was cleaning up during COVID. And um, that's what I'd suggest to most writers, really. I wish mm. someone had told me that. Yeah. Because I spent but, multiple years just doing shite pieces. Yeah, so did I. Like he uh, he pulled me up on it a lot, but I just I don't know. I you, you got the style you got. It's it's sort of weird. You know how you like people have their their walk. You know you've got the way you style your walk and and the your accent in how you talk and things like that. And it's just sort of innate in your surroundings. I feel that your graffiti style is like that as well. Mm. You know you have influences and you know there, there's you develop your style and all that sort of stuff, but you. The, your overall style is always just unique to you, and it's a it's a um, combination of all your all your surroundings and stuff. You know, yeah. I, I I feel it's like it's it's like your accent or whatever. All elements of it you can't really choose. Some of it's just sort of natural within you, and that's just what flows out of you. Like my yeah. accent is going weird, like we spoke about before we started recording. <laughs> where all my English friends yeah. are telling me that my accent's getting twisted and weird, and I'm like, yeah, but. So it's a bit like with graffiti for so many years, I was, and I'll be, and this isn't just wanting to, I was so shit. I honestly, I look back at what I was doing and I was like, holy fuck. But I had a real like hunger for it and I really went for it. And I didn't let the terrible feedback turn, turn me off. And I just kept going and kept going. And now it's like, I'm pleased I did all that because it would have been so yeah. easy to just give up and be like, oh God. Because I was I was one of those people where everyone else around me suddenly got really good. And I was just so shit. Just so yeah. shit. But what it did teach me is just keep going. And I think that's actually yeah. helped me with my life in general. Because, you know, we're often um, led to believe that we just, you've either got that innate talent or it's just you have to uh, yeah it's like you're naturally born with it well no not necessarily not the case at all the work that i do is a lot about neuro neurodevelopment and it's like someone doesn't start off skilled it's such a combination of all those little bits and bobs like you've just said individual style comes from so many different levels you want to get better at sketching sometimes it's not just yeah. about the sketching it's about getting the inspiration. It might be doing something where it's what's called a transferable skill, just improving your hand-eye coordination, writing with different pens. Like there's so many different things. And I wish someone had explained that to me when I was younger, because I used to just take it so badly. I'd be like, I'm shit. I don't know what I'm doing. This is embarrassing. You get the flicks back and it'd be like burner, burner, burner. And then my panel just looks like an art, well, an art crime. It was just, you know, they say art is not a crime. <laughs> They were offensively bad, but you know, <laughs> I'm pleased I did it because those experiences were so important and so, you know, life life changing. Yeah. I know it sounds dramatic, but I I have no regrets with any of that at all, at all. Nah, shouldn't live with any regrets of anything. You know. Uh, well, that's again, that's why I need my own therapy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so this is where we give people shout outs, not we. You can give people specific shout outs. Again, people that have listened to the other episodes, they're like, well, no one really says anyone in particular. Some people have. Is there anyone or anybody you want to shout out? Um, 
Not really. I like. I just like to. Um, I guess shout out everyone who's influenced me in, in graffiti and like made the um, the culture and the art fucking awesome. You know what I mean? People who have like risked so much to uh, please us because they've done it for themselves, but they've also done it for us. You know, like as writers, you want other writers' recognition and stuff. But um, you know, people have, uh, like writers have sacrificed a lot. Like, and um, I just want to say shout out to those guys who have sac- and girls who have sacrificed a lot because I um, I know I I love it. I, I've had so many uh, good years as a writer. And uh, and just even just being a fan of, of graffiti, I've uh, I've just witnessed a lot of people sacrifice, and yeah, that's about it really. <laughs> and people who have just people who are fucking fresh. It's just so good, sound <laughs> yeah, fresh shit. Those, yeah, it's um yeah. So yeah, there's my shout outs. And I think people that don't really haven't really been in part of the graffiti culture, I can they don't realise that. You know, it sounds dramatic, but people literally give up their lives for it. Not intentionally, but all those people that have passed away, all those people that have ended mm. up in jail, you know, the London yeah. scene last year just had it bad. You know, a lot of people passed away and I know people have passed away in different countries. And I think just remembering that and keeping their memory, but also I, I, I'm feeling like there's a bit of a change in the atmosphere in the graffiti scene a little bit. There seems to be a bit more kind of like, you know, we, we've talked about bloody trauma today. I don't think there's mm. many other tra- uh, graffiti podcasts, maybe there is, where they talk about trauma. And yeah. And people are, oh, I don't want to hear about fucking the guy who does Toy Division's childhood trauma. And it's not for me to be doing that, but it's like, we're all human beings. And like, we yeah. most, most of us got into this because we want to connect with other people. So, yeah. Okay, so thanks so much for your time. Um, I'm going to do the typical thing. I'm going to stop recording.